Welcome, everyone. We are about to begin Be'ezus Hashem Shir number 383. We're talking today about being mindful about everything, to be focused in the present, and that's a way of living and a way of being and a way that could enhance tremendously Shalom Bayis and in many aspects of life overall. What is mindfulness? It's the idea of living fully in the present. We What happens very often is we delve into the past too much or into the future and we don't experience our present moment. And even when in during the present moment you have to plan for something in the future, but you still are fully in the present moment as you're doing that. And that is very important. So we're going to touch upon very different various ideas about mindfulness. And this one, the first one, we're talking about mindful sexual intimacy, which again, we speak a lot in some feedbacks here and a lot of the main shurim we touched upon this and certainly a lot in the Panimi shurim, which you're welcome to join. If you could WhatsApp me or email me, shalombaya777 at gmail.com. But the idea of mindfulness, even in sexual intimacy, by to be pleasant, uh, be pleasant and present in the experience. A mindfulness, which simply means doing everything you can to be present while a husband and wife is together. And we talked about in other shiurim how it's even not necessary, not necessary to get into the mood in order to become intimate with one another. We explained if if one of them. It's typically the woman, but it could be in both genders, has a lower libido or does not go into it, doesn't get like triggered sexually that much. So what, what they but what they do is, is if they get to a point where they're just relaxed, they're able to de- detox from the day and to get to a point where even if they don't have that pull, but they are calm and relaxed, that is the, the breeding ground to enjoy healthy, and enjoyable sexual intimacy. This mindful practice is significant for our sexual health, for the enjoyment, and over here, the enjoyment is a mitzvah within marriage. It increases the arousal and awareness of pleasurable sensations during sexual intimacy, overall sexual satisfaction, and it decreases the stress hormones that often prevents women from experiencing pleasure and presence and being calm and learning to remove outside pressures from you while you're with your husband or wife is tremendously healthy. Now, this requires very often um, time. And this is something that I know many couples have a hard time doing because they are very tired at the end of the day or they're limited in time and they want to go to sleep at a certain time. And it's difficult to do that. So very often, whatever, however long intimacy ends, starts and ends, it's a relatively short period of time. But if there are ways to designate specific nights where you do the housework a different night and you're able to put the younger kids to sleep at a certain hour and you have more time or you're able to figure it out where you just give it more time, a lot more time than it normally does, where there's no pressure of time and is just experiencing one another connecting with each other, that helps tremendously in this mindfulness that is there, and the Shechin is there. The Shechin is there because you're putting your attention towards your husband, towards your wife, in this area 
where you're uniting physically and spiritually at the same time. And it's life-changing. You become kinder. You become more compassionate in the way you treat your body and in the tr- way you treat your, the body of your spouse as you're engaged in physical intimacy. To feel safe enough to be honest with oneself, to be honest with one's wife or husband on how you're feeling and how you des- feel desire, how you want to express desire. And it softens a person in a healthy way and it opens up a person in a healthy way. So many people have related to therapists and in studies how they were, and it's easy to be cynical about this. It's easy to be cynical and say, as an example, men are just one-minded, one-track animals interested in sex and nothing else, and sometimes women that way too. It's not a fair assessment. Very often they'll say, and they're truthful when they're saying this, is that this being present and being calm and being in expressing sexuality in a healthy way towards my wife, towards my husband, that opened me up. That opened me up spiritually. It opened me up emotionally. I walk now with more confidence. I, 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 I smile more. I'm more attuned. Um, I feel more tenderness. I feel more joy. And I feel more connection. And I feel more love. And I feel more courage. And I feel more inspired. And this is all by using and channeling the physical, sexual, intimate aspects in a healthy way. That is a very, very important key. And it's something that in this generation, it's hard to practice because of all the tensions that we have. But this, when you decide to spend time and to be present with one another, with a tenderness, with a kindness, in the sexual aspects, it is tremendously healing. And that is very, very key to intend, to have intentional to do that, to pay attention, and to have that healthy attitude towards it. So that's one aspect of mindfulness that we just touched upon now, and we have and will give future shiurim on this topic. Then there is the mindfulness when you make decisions. This is very important. People have very much tremendous stress when they have to make decisions, and they all need to make decisions. And what's very interesting there's an important study is that the biggest reason people fail making a decision is because they are have a fear in making the wrong decision. It's called the paradox of choice. In other words, paradoxically, the more choices you have, the less likely you're able to make a choice. And if we make a choice, it'll be less likely that you'll to be satisfied with it. It's counterintuitive, but the data is actual, factual this way. So as an example... To give an example of what we mean over here, if you're asked whether you prefer a non-refundable or a refundable plane ticket, oh, almost everyone opts for the refundable, right? Because they want to have more choice. But in studies, it showed that those participants who were given refundable tickets were much less happy than those with unrefundable tickets. In other words, the one who had the freedom to choose an infinite array of dates and times in their flights, became anxious about choosing the perfect time to fly, and they ended up being less happy. While if you had a non-refundable ticket, which although, yes, if something goes wrong, you could lose your money, but they had a certain peace of mind, this is the way it is, and they're satisfied, and they were happier with it. 
And that is really an important yesayid. How do we make our best choices? We need to understand that there are times in life where when you limit your options and don't endlessly look for the perfect best choice, the more happy and more successful you will be. You will be. You will get disoriented when you have all different types of things that you could order from as opposed to having three or four different things. And it creates more happiness when you have less choices often, which is seems counterintuitive, but it is very, very true. Okay, so that's mindfulness as far as making decisions. To narrow your point, if you have thousands of decisions in front of you, you narrow it down. Matter-of-factly, until you get to your two ideal choices, and then you do the best you can with the choice, and it gives you a peace of mind while making the decisions. Another aspect is mindfulness in the workplace. For example, um, one person that was a vice president of a Fortune 500 company said as follows, I'm a driven person, and I push people hard and get the best from them. And at times, I can push too hard, and I forget to pause and see the situation clearly. I'll never forget what happened when the lead project manager came to tell me that she had misjudged the timeline and her team was far behind schedule. Normally, I would have lost my temper and snapped at her and demanded she get back on schedule. However, this time, everything slowed down. I was able to take a breath and pause before responding. And instead of yelling, I asked her what obstacles were there and what she needed to get back on track. And we had a clear, focused conversation came up with a reasonable solution, even though it was not ideal for me. And as she was leaving, she paused at the door and said softly, thank you. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but my husband was recently diagnosed with cancer and we have two young children at home and I've been overwhelmed and your understanding today means a lot to me. And I just stood there. The intensity of the emotions that welled up in me were surprising. I felt compassion for her challenge and grateful that I was able to pause instead of angrily reacting. And I realized all of us are struggling and there are always more to a story than it seems. That's an example of mindfulness in the workplace. And then there's mindfulness in parenting. doesn't mean you have to be a perfect parent, but it means you apply the skills that you've been developing so you could be the best parent possible. It's like that line that we said in various shiurim that seems opposites. You're perfect as you are, and there's room for improvement. And we said many times, this is not logical, this statement. The first part contradicts the second part. You're perfect as you are, and there's room for improvement. But yes, you're perfect as you are, and once you feel that, and they feel that self-compassion, then indeed there is room for improvement. And we have to deal with that when we're parents as well. Same thing goes with mindful eating for people who struggle with eating. Obesity, eating disorders, causes an enormous amount of suffering. It could affect shalom bias as well in many, many ways, in fair ways. Um, meaning that it, there's a logical reason why it would affect it and it affects our health. And one of the keys is to learn mindful eating. We It's kedai to have separate shiurim, even though it's not exactly shalom bias related, to talk about mindfulness in eating. 
eating. But the idea behind it is what we said in these past few things, and it applies to all aspects of Shalom Bayis. We mentioned the physical, intimate aspects, but applies to all connections between husband and wife in all situations. That mindfulness between a husband and wife can be practiced at any moment. We could bring our intention and attention and attitude in everything we do, in every interaction, in a marriage. And that way, and here is the key, we could return mundane things into magical deep connections. Mundane things. A lot of our life is indeed mundane. We're not on that aliyah. It's not always Seder night or Ne'ilah night and so on and so forth. There are a lot of mundane aspects to life and to marriage. And by having this intention, by having these mindful um, connections between a husband and wife, even the mundane aspects of life become beautiful, become whole, become very, very inspiring. The idea behind all this is, is to be Mar between peace with yourself in a healthy way, peace with your husband and wife with a healthy way, peace with your children, peace with the world. Peace with the world sounds very uh, esoteric, sounds far, far-fetched, but the idea is and we said this many times, it's an akuda that all of us need to remember. When we work to enhance our individual marriages, we are benefiting Klal Yisrael as a whole. A bracha in your own home, by working on becoming a better husband, a better wife, is not just an individual choice that you're doing to benefit your own life and the life with your husband and wife that you're living with, or your children in your individual house but you are helping Klal Yisrael. You're building the building blocks of Klal Yisrael. You're making Klal Yisrael stronger by becoming a healthy husband, a healthy wife. You are helping Klal Yisrael. You're benefiting Klal Yisrael because it's not just independent um, houses. And remember that. The Shechinah Shaira, wherever Isha and Isha are with Shalom with each other. And the more that every individual couple have this love, the more the Shechina comes down to our homes, collectively to our homes, and is Marba the Shechina in Klal Yisrael. So when we're doing our part, and we're being Mamshech the Shechina into our own home, by our own Shalom, with our own husbands and wives, we are increasing the overall Shalom of Klal Yisrael. This helps also to pray for the Shalom bias of others. Like we said in the last year, to have an Ayin Toiva, even if you have problems, to have an Ayin Toiva on the Shalom bias of others, to daven for them, be happy for them, give them brachis, and that has such a Nachas Ruach HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you give it with your whole heart, that he will be Mamali your Bakasha to make your Shalom bias better. Ezer Usher HaSameach Bechelkai is not a trick that Hashem is saying you know, I, I really want you to be miserable or give you less, and I'm just tricking you, so I'm telling you, don't, don't, you know, be happy with, with your lot, and, and don't look at someone else, and, and just to, like, hide reality. That's not how it works. Hashem is really telling you that you have everything. I created your soul, and I created the potential for you to be in a full simcha, sipaka nefesh, being sameach bechelkecha in the utmost degree. And the path to do this is to look at everyone else with an ayin toiva. The path to do this is to be happy with your lot. And that widens the vessel. That's marchiv the keli. 
that that gives you, you that allows you to become the recipient to receive all the good that Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants to give you. So your shalom bias, your becoming a better husband and wife, will help you, will help your spouse, and helps Klal Yisrael as a whole. Baruch and